Hey. How are you? Uh, well, pretty good today. Let's see how we'll be, you know, in a couple weeks if uh, nobody in this country has health care anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, you know what, what really grinds my gears before we get into health care? What? When people say that Paul wrote Colossians. Or Ephesians. Did you get into that this week? I saw some stuff. Oh, some I was, I was, I was neck deep. We, we were, we were, uh, we were in the weeds. And like, it's like I could see it, but I was like, I'm gonna look away. I don't want to get drawn <laughs> I in. Like I just, I can't do that. <laughs> just can't do that right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, then it took a kind of an unexpected twist. We went way off the rails into some kind of atheistic, Boltmanian. Radical German Lutheranism stuff. John Mark, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't know how to pronounce it. Or Ormakia, Ormakia. I'm great at names, as people have. <laughs> yeah, into the show now. Yeah, Sam has the best names. <laughs> I've got all the great names. I should just stop saying names. Can Candida, Candida. That's why you just need to come up with a nickname for everybody. That's always better. I'm gonna right? call you I'm gonna... JM. Yeah. John Mark. Um. Yeah, and I mean, not not that I disagree with him, but anyway, we we went from uh, went from that into like Unitarianism, basically. It was, it was pretty interesting. It was a, it was a fun thing. Uh, so yeah, a uh, friend of the show, Bryson Smith S Bryson one seventy six on Twitter, uh, kind of roped us all in. <laughs> yeah, he he's good at doing that, like pulling people into these really deep conversations. Yeah, he, he just like threw out like that grenade and. and yeah, it's like what? What did Paul mean here in Colossians? And I was like, ah. So I'm sitting in the in the parking lot of the store. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> mad tweeting. Like first of all, anyway, because uh, so Mariana's a big fan of Ephesians. <laughs> the conversations we have with our wives. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, we like Breaking Bad and Ephesians. Um, and <laughs> she uh, she. I forgot what happened. She was taking a class or something on on Ephesians once, and and it made the mistake of saying, "Well, you know, Paul said." <laughs> I was like, "Whoa!" And that was one of our biggest arguments, and and still today, it's a touchy subject because she still loves to preach from Ephesians, and uh, in the pulpit. Well, that's in the pulpit. She'll say like, "Well, you know, as Paul wrote," and afterward, you know, of course, I take notes as she's preaching, and uh, obviously, yeah, and uh, we'll go out to lunch. And I'm like, "Look, honey, we we need to talk." Because <laughs> Paul did not write Ephesians. Paul did not write yeah. Ephesians. Right. This is pretty clear. Yeah. Uh, so that's an interesting thing, right? Because obviously this is still a big um, argument in some really small corners of like Christianity and quote unquote the academy. Uh, I mean, here's like what I'll say is. I don't know a single non-confessional New Testament scholar who thinks that Paul wrote Colossians or Ephesians or, you know, First Timothy or whatever. Um, well, Second Timothy, but they're, yeah, or Second Timothy or Titus or yeah or Hebrews, right? Which is, oh, no. And that's why like Hebrews got into the canon basically because they were like, oh yeah, we're pretty sure Paul wrote this, and it's like this doesn't sound anything like Paul. Okay, anyway, so, but for a lot of people. This becomes this is really this is really big, right? Because it has to be Paul, and it's really interesting to kind of watch how like the stages that people go through when they're thinking if it's not written by Paul, then like it clearly can't be like inspired or something, right? 
And so it's this weird thing where like Paul is the source of inspiration, even though a lot of these people would would not claim that, you know, they would claim, well, God's the source of inspiration. But then it's like, well, but if Paul didn't write that, then that's a problem. Then can we trust what the text says? Because the person's lying about who wrote it. So can we trust it at all? You know, is it worth anything? And and I just can't even read anything in the Bible anymore. Right. That's kind of how that progression goes, I think, for for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, even in in my moderate Baptist environments I, I i will hear every now and then especially in sunday school well when moses wrote genesis <laughs> and you can imagine my reaction to that because i love the old testament more than i love the new testament did i say right. that out loud what's funny but, is that like the pentateuch doesn't even claim to be written by moses and it tell like deuteronomy talks about moses's death right like it's like yeah. you can i can give you like okay maybe you think you know, Ephesians or Colossians were written by Paul because they say, hey, I'm Paul and I wrote this letter. Somebody just lied to you. It was like, <laughs> okay, I can give you that one, but come on, man. Moses well, and the... <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, W. Travis McBacon, McBacon had the uh, the best response and said that um, he's convinced that, that um, those were written, that Paul's, you know, Colossians, Ephesians, Titus, those things, uh, the, the, the disputed letters of Paul, as we say, uh, those were written um, by uh, uh, was it Barnabas and, and Timothy, and uh, Paul was making them practice their letters. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and he, you know that, that was the outcome, and, and you know my response was, yeah, Paul got upset because he he lost editorial control of of that process. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, so I, on on the flip side of that, I've gotten into again on Twitter conversations with people who listen to the show. I forgot the guy's name. Um, you know, former believer, that kind of thing, fell out of the church. And he made the comment like, well, you know, the, the Gospels are, are forgeries. You know, kind of echoing the, the Bart Ehrman take, you know, and like they're, right. they're written in someone else's name. And I was like, well, yes. But they're not. But they're not. But not really. You know, like they the don't ever say. The names are attached to them like centuries later. Right, right. So like I, I preached from Matthew last week and, and part of the Matthew 9 and 10 that I was preaching from had, uh, you know, the passage describing where Jesus called Matthew, and it's not in first person. Just like Acts, like right. yes, there is one part of Acts that goes into the yeah. You have the we the we passages, yeah. But, Acts, but yeah. then there's some there's some you know iffiness about about that with later stuff. Yeah, so uh, especially Matthew, like Matthew gets that name because of that one passage. But it it, it like why wouldn't Matthew, if he was the author, say like you know hey that's when <laughs> that's when Jesus walked by and called me because that would legitimize you know, Matthew right. as a, as a witness. Um, and, and the, that part of Matthew is all about legitimization. You know, he's comparing Jesus to Moses and, and, uh, the apostles to Joshua. And he's trying to set up this kind of like, yes, now the apostles can go out and do things like, you know, heal, heal the, the sick and, and cure the, the, uh, people with demons inside of them, uh, just like Jesus can do. And, and Jesus gave them that authority, just like Moses gave Joshua. Once people realized, Hey, wait, we've been out here for a long time and Moses is going to die soon. So, I don't know. That that really grinds my gears, though. That the people are, and, and not unthinking, but and I'm not saying uh, Bryson or, or any of these people are. I, I just mean in general, like when you when you talk to people out in the public, and, and you say something like, "Well, we don't really think Paul wrote Ephesians," but uh, you know, well, is that how you say it? Like, if people bring that up, do you do you are you that nice about it? I am, you know, I mean, it's a it's a fine. I can't be like, <laughs> no, are me, you I'm fucking just kidding like, me? Like, I'm just you, like. 
No, Paul didn't write Ephesians. Like, period. Like, we can go through it, and I can tell you why, but Paul didn't write Ephesians. So you're like, you're like one of those militant academic, academic, academics. No, I'm just matter of fact. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> Thomas Arno tapes. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it, that's a, a hard thing to, to do is walk that line and and get people interested in the conversation. God, that's like Mariana. Get people interested in, in you know, scholarship or, or just thinking about the Bible in a different way. Um, See, that's funny because that's usually never my goal. Yeah. Like, because when these conversations happen, like in a classroom or something, that's a completely different setting, right? But, you know, like random people when you're trapped, like this happens a lot when you travel, right? And people will be like, what do you do? And... Now I would have a little bit easier answer, but you know, when I was a PhD student in religions of Western antiquity, it's like, like you can't tell people you study religion because then like, Oh, my great aunt's pastor said, you know, X, Y, and Z. What do you think? And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just literally happens. do not care. <laughs> and so I, I got to where I often would, you know, if I had to answer a question like that, I would um, tell people that I was a historian yeah. instead of like that I studied religion or something because they'd be like, oh, OK. And I'm yeah, I study, you know, second century Egypt. Oh, OK. And like, that's it. You know, they're, they're not interested. If they're interested after that point, then they want to talk about can you read hieroglyphs and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> it's like, OK, we can talk about that. But I don't want to talk about like, what, yeah, what your aunt's uncle's pastor's kid said about Paul. I don't know. It's just so <laughs> that's the difference between me and you probably is you're actually trying to like fight the good fight and do the good work <laughs> and get people like interested in this. And I'm just like, I want to put my headphones on and listen to some Avert brothers. And <laughs> don't talk to me on the airplane, please. <laughs> you know, read my book on the Anthropocene. That's all I want to do. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I hear you, and and yeah, that that's always the conversation when you get on the plane. What I what I do sometimes when I'm on the airplane and, and there's someone chatty beside me, especially if they're a little younger, because you know I'm an old man, um, and they're like, so what do you do? And and I'll say like, I'm a I'm a, uh, a neurosurgeon, and I, and I know no, right? Yeah, exactly. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty fun, and it, or yeah, you know, I've pulled out an attorney. Um, one time I was a um. A skiing instructor. So catch me if you can. That's what you do then. Yeah, it's fun. You know, you kind of like try on different personas and see what sticks. I need to try that. I, I think I fun. could. Yeah, I, I think I could fake my way through um, through quite a few things. Yeah, I've got a, a friend named Peter Shankman who um, he's kind of he's kind of a big deal like in the PR world, but he started a help a reporter out and all kind of stuff back in the day. The consultant. Anyway, he he always talks about doing this and and just you know kind of trying to fill the person out. You know, like if they're going to be really chatty, and and you can tell right. the type, right? They're like they're looking at you. They're 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 not being <laughs> very coy about it. Yeah, like leaning over. Like yeah, uh, that's a, that's a nice Twitter feed you got yeah. there, huh? <laughs> like like they're checking you out. They're checking out everybody around them, and it's like, uh, it's going to be one of those flights. All right, well here we go. Let me put on my armor. So he'll fill them out and figure out like what their interest is and kind of play to that, or either like completely shut them shut them down and say like. Yeah, I work for the government. I'm I'm an accountant. I can't talk about it, you know, and whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he he also when he flies, he he always brings a bag like a large bag of M and M's, like you get at Walgreens. Yeah. And he gives them to, um, the 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 first member of the uh, flight crew that he sees, you know, as you walk into the airplane, 
and he says, hey, you know, can you can you hand these out to everybody or what? You know, uh, here's a little goodie. Thank you all for what you do. And he said nine times out of ten, that flight is is great. He gets free drinks. Like it's it's this huge kind of little airplane hack <laughs> for like a three dollar bag. Yeah, of I, was like, You're, I was like, you're kidding me. He's like, no, seriously, like it, especially for long flights. He was like, you wouldn't believe the response that you get from that. And, and stewardesses will come over and, you know, flight attendants will say, like, thank you so much for those M&Ms like that really made our flight. And um, so anyway, and he only flies one type of thing. So last time he got on uh, the plane, they, they gave him a little card that says Peter Shankman, Lord of the Skies. <laughs> he, he was like, oh, that's so cool. So, you know, of course, he tweeted that out to his 100,000 yeah. followers and stuff. But anyway. So the goal then, I guess, is to see, like, how crazy of a story you can get people to believe. You never did this in college? Like, when you were out at bars and picking up people? <laughs> people? I don't want to say, I don't want to be normative. Uh, um, no, not really. God, I would do that all the time. That's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Terrible to lie. But yeah, it's, it's kind of that catch me if you can thing, right? Yeah. I like I like it. So um so I sense maybe uh, a budding competition here. Yeah. Who can get somebody to believe the craziest thing? Yeah, what was uh I'm trying to think what's what's my craziest thing I've ever pitched that worked. Yeah, maybe we should get some um some listener submissions. <laughs> Right, like I don't know like, what they I was give us, like <laughs> I know here's your identity, and you have to convince you know three people. Yeah, that that'll be a Patreon level. Give us twenty five bucks, and we'll yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you we'll know what the worst for twenty five bucks. For, forget forget the airplanes. You know what the worst thing is? Like airplanes, you know, you're kind of like trapped in a in a aluminum tube of of humanity, right? And you're all breathing the same recycled skin cells, and it's gross. And no one really wants to fly, but it, it's cheap That's and it's effective. Especially now, like it used to be fun, you know, but but now it's it's like ugh. So what's worse than chatty people in an airplane is is when you get a great clips just to get a haircut, and and you just want to pay your ten bucks and get in and get out, and, and the and the the person cutting your hair just wants to talk. Yep. I mean, like if it was my family barber, that's one thing, you know, because I I've been going there since I was a kid. They. They know my life story. That you know, they, they've been there with me. Like I would invite them to a birthday party. But the the person at Great Clips, your your tip is not going to be dependent on how much you talk to me. I don't know. I know. Yeah. Um, I know, I'm. I'm. Yeah. So I don't. I don't go like pay anybody to cut my hair anymore. Um, my wife cuts my hair now and has for a couple years probably. Um, saves a lot of money and I can pretty much get it, you know, as often as I want. So, um, cause, I, <laughs> cause I'm, I'm pretty picky about like, you know, when you have short hair, like really short, uh, and I do like a one, uh, on the like sides in the back. Um, it looks like you have to cut it, you know, sooner. Yeah. I, I do. You a one. Wait, I do a one you can't wait well. six weeks. Right. Oh, God, yeah. So like every two weeks you need to be getting your hair cut, but you know, 10, 15, 20 bucks a pop every two weeks to me is just, just doesn't make any sense. So, um, but that's, so, Hey, it saves me money, but also it saves me from those awkward conversations because I'm not good at that at all. Um, and I don't enjoy that. I want to sit there and I don't want to, you know, you can talk to me, I guess, but like, just don't expect me to respond. So does she still like cut your hair or do you do it? 
if it's just a one. No, she does it. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, we've got the clip. No, it's not all over. She, like, scissor cuts the top. Oh, so well. she's actually, you know, actually pretty good at it. So, um, yeah. Huh. I need to train up my wife. I'm just kidding. Because, um, okay. yeah, I do one on the side, and then, like, a, like a, I, got a, I got some length on top, you know, so I've got that that Mumford & Sons modified thing going on. Exactly. You can just YouTube it, man. You can learn how to do anything on YouTube. So uh, when I was in high school, I bought a pair of clippers or, you know, like the razor thing, and uh, I used to just buzz it with a one. But then I got old and fat, and I have a huge head. So, like, if I do a whole <laughs> head like that, it, it doesn't look good. But, yeah, in high school, that's exactly what I did. We didn't have YouTube yet, but you know, it was just, yeah, and it was great and it was easy. Well, you know, I shaved my head bald. Probably a lot of listeners don't know this. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been about 10 years now. Um, it was right after we got married and um, shaved my head bald for a little bit. Um, and I just did that like every other day or every third day in the shower with a razor. You don't have to look, I mean, it's all the same, you know. Um, did you ever cut and that? Was, no, really. Do you ever cut yeah. yourself? And when now, you, when you well, you don't shave, I, you shave your like your neck. Yeah, I shave my neck. I mean, I can't, I can't have the neard going on. You know, the neck beard that just goes and connects to my chest. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a very uh, well. We'll just leave that. Um, <laughs> no, but now they have like razors designed for your head, huh. which is interesting. And I never used one of those. I just used like a regular safety razor or whatever. Um, so, but at some point when I start losing my hair again, uh, I'll probably just go back to uh, going just shaving it. But I'm, but maybe I'll do like the one or the half because that's actually a little bit less upkeep. Yeah, shaving, keep- yeah, shaving bald is a lot of work. Yeah, because you do have to do it every other day or every third day, and then you know you gotta for a while when you first do it for the first you know few months, it that skin's pretty tender. <laughs> Because it's not used to seeing the light. Oh yeah, yeah. So so so, what uh, drove you to, to shave your head? Was it just like a, I want to I want to rock this look or? Yeah, like I don't know. See what kind. Of, I I was losing hair, um, and I don't know. I mean, I think probably a lot of guys have this experience. Like you kind of go through phases. I think a lot of guys do. Like you lose a lot of hair, and then it will kind of stop, and then you know, ten years later, you'll lose some more hair again. So I was losing quite a bit, and I thought, well, if I'm going to lose my hair, I'm just going to shave it all off because I'm not going to be that guy, right? Um, just like trying to comb over three whiskers. Um, and so that, so yeah, I just shaved it bald, and, and you don't know what kind of shape head you have until you shave it. Yeah, yeah. See, um, I'm pretty sure I have a terrible head shape. Yeah. But then, but then my yeah. wife was like, uh, "Well, while you do still have some hair, I'd like you to grow some hair." So I did. I, I grew it back, and um, and I've had hair ever since. Yeah, it's been kind of funny because it hasn't fallen out at the rate that it was at that point. But I, I, I won't be surprised now that I'm getting old if it starts again in the next few years, and then I'll probably just be done with it. Is it falling out all over, or are you going to get like the male pattern baldness thing, like the? You. No, it's all over, and I've got a bald spot like on my crown, or I'm starting to get yeah. one. It's not horrible, yeah. and with shorter hair, it's less noticeable. Right, um, which is why I keep mine short. Same thing. Exactly, exactly. So I'm. This is like probably the most riveting bit of radio that we've done for our <laughs> listeners in a year, <laughs> talking about male pattern baldness and bald spots and you know hairy necks. Tom, sorry, and... are you getting enough fiber? Um. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, I, I just wanted to go off on Colossians. And I, don't, I really don't like Colossians. 
Like, the more I read it, the more I'm like, nah. Yeah. I could see getting behind Ephesians. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, like Ephesians different. Some there's some interesting stuff in, in Ephesians for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Colossians and Hebrews. Mm. I mean, it's 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 kind of like, what if the fourth gospel didn't make it in? It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, or what if the ending of Mark didn't get tacked on? But it didn't get tacked on. Well, I mean... I mean, yeah, it did later, but, like... For, for us. We don't really know what the ending was. Well, I mean, ideally, you know, it ends after chapter 16 or whatever. 16, 8. Yeah, yeah 16, right. verse 8. Yeah. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Like, what a great ending. I love that stuff. I know. I'm, I'm convinced, by the way, that that is where the text ended. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because from, from, a, from a literary perspective, and this is something I think is um, happens a lot, a lot of people, like, we don't have a problem looking at old literature and thinking it's good literature. But for some reason, we do have a problem looking at old Christian literature and thinking it's good literature. Uh, and and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, there's a lot of, you know, literature written by Christians that's not any good. Mark is, I, I think, an exception. I, I don't think Matthew or Luke are really that well-written um, John is, I mean, the beginning of John, like he throws it all out there and he's trying to show off. And he's like, okay, 18 verses. That's all I got. Yeah, I'm, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but Mark is, I think, um, from a, just a pure literary perspective, it's a fantastic piece of literature, right? Because as you, if you read it in the way it was intended, right, to be heard in one sitting yeah, or, or to be read in one sitting, um, it's some, it's a page turner because you know every little bit it's and immediately he went here and immediately this happened and you know by halfway through you're at the last week of his life he's going to Jerusalem he's going to die and then it ends with the women they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid and you're kind of like what yeah it's a cliffhanger right I mean so I think from a liter literary perspective I, I think it's actually well done and I think it in my opinion kind of fits the rest of Mark. I don't see a reason that we have to justify to say, oh, well, the last page got lost or something like that. No, well, he wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't end, a, you know, a sentence with a gar clause like that. And it's like, well, sure you will. Why not? Yeah. I mean, it's like Abby Reddick, so, you know, like Her Majesty's yeah. a pretty nice girl. Um, yeah, I was reading a, a commentary this week or last week on, on Matthew when I was getting ready for that sermon. And uh, they were describing it was from the. And I'll be from the new interpreters. Um, I forgot who, who the author was. But anyway, so they were describing some of the sources behind Matthew. Of course, they go into the M source and the um, you know, Mark, as, as it were. Um, but, but I forgot who the author was. But they, they wanted to really hang their hat on this notion that Matthew was writing in Antioch. and Or the author of Matthew. And there, that that church in Antioch was heavily influenced by Q preachers. And, you know, Paul had gone through Antioch and they had the, the famous meeting, you know, with Peter and Paul there. And Paul kind of gets relegated and, you know, basically <laughs> kind of like, yeah, see you later, Paul, get out of here. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want your business here back in the 50s. Um, so Paul, Paul leaves Antioch and, and goes on for greener pastures. Um, but by the time this gospel was written, you know, 70, 80, whatever, uh, the community is, is so influenced by the Q tradition, which, which I, I just think is fascinating. Like, we, we've constructed this whole tradition, right? <laughs> you know, a text and an idea that 
doesn't necessarily exist yeah, as, as we know it. Um, anyway, it was it was a fun read. I was like, oh yeah, I, I do miss the historical, you know, critical redaction side of things sometimes when it comes to uh, yeah. It was um yeah, it was Eugene Boring who wrote the Matthew volume. Was it for new yeah, interpreters? Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I, I think that's it's good to read. I mean, it, it you know it, I would it's um consistent. yeah. I, I think it. I think it's a. It's a good series. Um, you know, I, I actually like the kind of chronological uh, versions, right? Where you actually have to read Paul's letters before you read the Gospels, right? I mean, Paul dies at least eight years before Mark is written, and Mark's the first Gospel. Um, so. The problem, you know, for a lot of people is they read the Gospels and they read Paul, and in their heads, the Gospels are just telling this eyewitness account, and they're written, you know, in 30, 31, and 32, or whatever. And then Paul comes along later and writes his letters, and um, so they have this idea that there's all this kind of backstory that we should know to read Paul when it's actually the other way around. And that's, you know, how I structured my class uh, often, too. Um, I would do Paul stuff sometimes before I would do Gospels for that reason. Um, because it does change how you approach the text. Yeah, it, it, it really does. And, you know, when, when you talk to people and you say, look, you know, Matthew's first, but Mark was written for Matthew. We know that, but the only reason Matthew gets put where it is is because of the birth narrative. Right. Uh, and, you know, then we get Mark, then we get Luke, and then we get John. But Luke and Acts were written by the same author. We're pretty sure the same group of people. Right. So they should be together. So they should be together. And you know, you can you can see people's, you know, sort of minds exploding in, in Sunday school <laughs> when you just kind of sit down and flippantly say that within thirty seconds. Um, you know, and yeah, and, we, and we're pretty sure Matthew and Luke, you know, used Mark and had some conception of, of, you know, at least the the collection of text if not the tradition that was around mark it's not the actual church we don't really know where that church was but we have some suspicions and we think matthew was out of antioch and we think luke was out of you know this part of central turkey you know whatever um and, and you, you get this kind of weird um i don't know yeah the, this it, we're opening the veil you know it's like right there's a lot of cool stuff that your preacher never told you and uh, here you go but uh, yeah, I, I guess that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I wish people would be more interested in that because I think that really does inform, you know, the, the text itself so much. And then when we talk about the ending of Mark, you know, like, gosh, you know, if you cut out the, the last bit that got tacked on a few hundred years later, that's a really cool book. And it doesn't need that kind of like mansplaining thing at the end where it's like, well, you know, Jesus said, <laughs> now go out to everybody. And anyway. I agree. I mean, Mark is hands down my favorite gospel. <laughs> Not Thomas? So I'm a big fan of Thomas. But I mean, so usually the question is canonical, right? So yeah. canonical. All right, so, um, so are you an early Thomas dater or a late Thomas dater? Um, both. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, here's That's the thing. Weird, I, I, think there, I think there are significant portions of it that are early um, and potentially earlier than uh, Mark. Um, there may even be some that, some of the sayings that go back to the historical Jesus. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but there are, but I think there are other sayings that uh, are later, right? I mean, and part of the problem is that we probably shouldn't even be calling it a gospel anyway. It's a collection of sayings. There's what like two sentences of narrative uh, in the entire collection. Um, the problem I have with Thomas, it's not the text so much, but 
um, with scholarship on the Gospel of Thomas is that, like you were saying about kind of reconstructing Q, is that we have people that have reconstructed like the Thomas community. Oh, yeah. Right. And it's, well, you, you can see from these sayings, this is what's going on in, um, you know, 38. And then from these things, we can tell what's going on in 43 over here. And it's like, no, I mean, we're just really at this point, we're just making all this shit up. <laughs> like, and no. Um, it, no. So but the thing I like about Thomas is that it is there are parts of it that obviously like they're verbatim or almost verbatim what you get in the canonical gospels. But then there are parts of it that are completely different. Obviously, some of uh, our favorite sayings come from Thomas, right? Um, Be passersby comes from there. Uh, Split a piece of wood and you will find me. Lift a stone and you will find me there, right? That comes from Thomas. Beautiful. Um, It's really great. And you've got so many other things about, you know, uh, taking off your clothes and dancing on your clothes and being naked. And it's kind of like, well, is that just about being, you know, dancing around, you know, like in a nudist colony? No, it's really about kind of this, this, you know, wonderful kind of picture of Gnosticism and how you're kind of taking the the flesh off because you're becoming spiritual and you're, you know, learning kind of the, the secret message. Um, there's so much in there. that's just so interesting to me that I, th- and I, that doesn't end up in uh, some of the canonical gospels. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely a big big fan of Thomas, but for the canonical gospels, Mark is my uh, is by far my favorite. Jesus is the most human in Mark. Um, I would argue that Jesus is not divine at all in Mark, um, and and that plays into why I like it. And and again, I think just from a literary standpoint, I think Mark is just a much more interesting text to read than you know 2.0 and 3.0 that you get in Matthew and Luke. <laughs> that's that's no. What there's like seventy or eighty percent of Mark that is verbatim in Matthew and Luke. Yeah, yeah, there is. But I mean, you know, you, you get some flavor from their independent communities. Oh well, yeah, for sure, for sure. And know, that's that's what I like about Thomas. Uh, you know, as well is that you get that Egyptian, and, and yes, I'm being twenty first century American calling it Egyptian. You, right. you, Optic. <laughs> the people from that area around the Nile River. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you, you get that that sort of different flavor of early Christianity. And, and uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's kind of a, a blend of early traditions. Maybe it was the Q sort of as, um, you know, Q prophets, uh, as, as it were. Um, but you get this really early stuff mixing with kind of, um, I don't want to say indigenous cause that's normative. Uh, <laughs> yeah, mixing with the, I can't say native. What, what do you say? Uh, uh, uh authentic, Artist, artist, Cano- art, just artist say canonical, <laughs> artisanal, <laughs> artisanal gospels. <laughs> no, artisanal <laughs> Nile culture. Artisanal dwellers from yeah. the mid to late first century, according to the Christians. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and then Thomas comes in and gentrifies it. Is that what? Yeah, happens? exactly. And then he goes to India. Um, so, so maybe Thomas is the artisanal version of, um, of of that form of Christianity. Yeah, he, right? it's like the guy that goes to He's Asheville, North Carolina, and like opens a brewery. And it catches on, and then he's like, "Man, uh, I was, you know, I was brewing beer before my brewery was cool." And and he leaves, and he goes to India because it's right. Um, yeah, but uh, I mean, there's so much going on in Egypt that that in the first century that we still have just a, a glancing, you know, view of. And and uh, and if you really want to learn a little bit more about second century Egyptian Christians, um, I know a guy who wrote a dissertation, a riveting great. dissertation. About a particular group that lived in Alexandria in the second century, uh, but that's neither here nor there. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, so I really like, um, yeah, there's a lot that I like about Thomas, but what, what resonates with me the most, now, and this is probably true. I, I think the, in a lot of ways, the Jesus of Matthew resonates with me more than the Jesus of Thomas, probably because you don't really get a consistent, you know, picture of a person in Thomas because it is just so chopped up and just a bunch of sayings. Um, but you, you get in particularly a lot of the sayings that I would say are probably later, you get, um, a much more divine, higher Christology Jesus and Thomas than you do in Mark. Well, I mean, you know, it's definitely more Gnostic and, and more, more you know, closer to, to what the fourth gospel is pointing at. You know, right. Yeah, Jesus but the thing, yeah, but, the, yeah, but that's the interesting thing, right? Is that actually, like with the fourth gospel, um, with John, you actually see this, this tension there, right? Because... Like so, we have the the one of our one of my favorite um, paintings um, is Caravaggio's The Incredulity of Saint Thomas. Right, it's just a beautiful, brilliant piece where Thomas is sticking his finger literally into the side of Jesus. Okay, so it's great, uh, and and that scene is really important from Caravaggio's perspective, but also from the Fourth Gospel's perspective, because what you have there is you have. It, the physicality, the very real physicality of Jesus, but that's right after he walks through a locked door, right? So there's this tension in uh, at, that you get at the end of the gospel. There, okay, well, is he is he physical? Is he spiritual? Like, is he whatever? And the tension kind of lives there. Um, whereas then, when you get to the Johannine um, epistles, first, second, and third John, you you get a very clear like, no, Jesus is physical. Right. We saw his body, et cetera. You get that. So that's like one direction that you get. Uh, and then the other direction you get, actually, you, you see a lot in some um, some like second and third century Coptic text like the Coptic Apocalypse of Peter. Right. Where Jesus is the spiritual Jesus who's actually laughing yeah, above the cross, great. looking down at the physical Jesus being crucified, right? It's like, this is so funny. Like, y'all think y'all got me. Y'all don't got me. Because really, like, my true form uh, is this spiritual form, right? So you kind of see the the split there. And actually, there's a really good short book on this uh, by Raymond Brown, right? The, um, the Community of the Beloved Disciple. Uh, and so he kind of talks about... Um, that trajectory of the like what we might call the Johannine community and kind of how you see the split and and, and then Thomas I think is, is definitely more kind of on that on that latter side of the more kind of spiritual um, divine Jesus as opposed to the physical Jesus that you get uh, like in the epistles yeah I, I just found my copy of I, I love that Raymond Brown book um, I'm not always a huge fan of Raymond Brown. I mean, right? It's but it, insane. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's, 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 he's got some stuff that I don't, that I would disagree with too. But, but I will say that, but that particular but that text I think fantastic. is really helpful yeah. Yeah. for trying to trying to think about, you know, if you want to like get into, can I, how can I, how might I be able to figure out one particular community and what may have happened? Right. right? We're not right. saying this is exactly what happened, um, but it's a really good and helpful, useful kind of reconstruction. I think the other one that I really like, which it's funny, my. <laughs> Kind of a, a long story, but um, let me surmise this in my head. Okay, so Sunday morning, it's Father's Day. I'm getting ready to preach. The girls are like, hey, we've got your Father Day, Father's Day present. And they had gone down to my parents' house with Mariana um, over the week before. And they brought back this box of books because I, you know, I have like a diaspora of books all around my life. 
um, between my ex-wife's house, my parents' house, and this house. <laughs> anyway, so, so they brought back one box of, of these books that I hadn't thought about since college. And, uh, no, not since college. I mean, since, like, grad school, you know, 10 years ago or something, 15 years ago. And one of the books was um, R. Allen Culpepper's uh, uh, The Fourth Gospel. Do you know that book? Yeah. Great book. And, and I, I read it in college, and I worked on it in college, and I, I read a part of my master's thesis at Yale was on John, actually, which is kind of funny looking back. Um, well, it's funny. I wrote my master's thesis on Paul. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I, 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 I made the argument that, that John, and, and it was a historical critical thing because that's where it was, but it was very like, you know, John was a fishmonger. And therefore, he was here and doing this, and this is what some of the community looks like. So anyway, I, I just remember using that book extensively a lot, extensively a lot, um, using that book a, a ton. Um, and John is a fishmonger. Like, what a stupid master's thesis. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't. I could not go back and read my master's thesis right now either on Paul. It would just. I couldn't do it. It would be horrible. Yeah, and uh, the worst part. No, but yours is good. Have you read my master's thesis? I read part of it. Man, I'm sorry. No, the, the worst part was I had Harold Attridge as my um, professor from from Yale. <laughs> you know, like he's an insane, amazing uh, biblical scholar, New yeah. Testament scholar. And I, I, I just imagine now looking back at my stupid 22-year-old self, like him reading this being like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, who is this kid from South Carolina? Why did we let him in? Um, anyway, yeah, that, that's fun. Fourth, fourth gospels out there. It's not, I, you said the Coptic gospel of Peter, right? The Coptic apocalypse. apocalypse right. So the, the gospel of Peter mm -hmm. itself is also kind of interesting. I don't know why I just thought about that, but haven't read that in a while. Need to pick back up with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing for me is I really like a lot of the early Coptic stuff, as you can tell. I mean, that's kind of the direction I've gone in, a lot of stuff that's Gnostic, et cetera, uh, mainly just because it's so interesting to me. Um, and uh, we're getting a lot of feedback on our kind of <laughs> David likes Luke. conversation likes right Luke, now. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, boo. So well, I told you, um, I mean, Luke Axe has got its, you know, like if you read the whole thing, it's got a, it's got a cool art I guess, to it. I guess if you're a historian. So. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. I have, I have no, friends who are historians. Okay. I know. Some of my best friends <laughs> are historians. I, I do like the way Luke sets up the whole John the Baptist thing. Yes. You know, I actually wrote a really good paper. I had to think about it for a second. I had to get back to it. But here, but I actually wrote what I think is a really good paper on, um, yeah, on um, the Lucan version of John the Baptist and 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 the um, the actually the Benedictus, right? The hymn that's supposedly to Jesus, but I actually think the original hymn was uh, for John the right. Baptist. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I, Luke's a good writer. There's no question about that. And that that book, yeah. Lamb, you know, he's he's kind of star lamb is I, I i need to reread that that is that's one of the favorite books my favorite books i've read in the past few years um and it, it's we don't really do, we played around with doing like a book club thing on this show and oh, it, yeah we did. never really done it but um if we were going to that's what i'd want to start with 
It would just, it would give me an excuse to read it again. Um, and it's called what's it, it's called Lamb, the Gospel According to Biff, Christ Childhood Pal. Yeah. Um, and, and it starts so, off with with Lucan, who's uh, who's coming into into town yeah. from from Antioch, I believe, or Damascus. Uh, it, it's so good, uh, and basically what it does is it pulls together all these really disparate ideas about Jesus, and um, and you get it in there, right? So he goes uh, he goes to India and he learns magic, and like you get all these little things um, that pull out of little infancy gospels from antiquity uh, that are really interesting, like little tidbits. And I can't for the life of me figure out why this book hasn't been made into a movie yet. And maybe the, maybe that's our calling in life is that we need to make Lamb into a movie because it's, it is just so fantastic. And if you agree um, with us, go to patreon.com slash thinking and you can exactly. help us subsidize that. Yeah. Or maybe we should just start a separate, um, you know, GoFundMe or something for, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get in touch with Kristen for Moore's people. If you're listening, exactly. Christopher. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah. He's, a, he's a friend of the show, he's right? A friend of the show. Um, yeah. Have, have you read? I mean, I know you have the Infancy Gospel of Thomas, where, where uh, yes, you know, Jesus it's kills the. It's so good. It's so it's such a good gospel. Yeah. All right. So so first we we've got Jesus is is making clay pigeons, not that you're right. you're going to shoot, but like actual clay pigeons. Out of the mud, like a mud pie, and Joseph walks out and he's like, "What the hell are you doing? It's 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 uh, Sabbath. You can't do that. You can't you can't make things on Sabbath." And he's like, "Who me?" And and the birds fly away, which I love. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's like, what evidence do you have? And then, uh, the the teacher, right? He's he's got a teacher because Joseph is like, "Oh, you got to learn your letters." Yes. And, and and the teacher teacher is like, "Well, you know, th- this kid is being a little difficult." And he goes and tells Joseph, and Joseph, you know, comes out on Jesus, so Jesus kills the teacher, right? Doesn't he kill the... Oh, does he end up killing that teacher? Because he, he loses, a, like, a bunch of teachers quit. I do think he ends up killing that guy or that guy. Yeah, yeah but then there's the, like, the kid runs into him. Yeah, yeah, and then the kid runs into him. And he strikes him. him dead. <laughs> and then, like, the kid falls off the roof they're playing, and Jesus gets blamed, and he's like, I didn't do it. So he goes to the kid... <laughs> And he's like, Zeno, because his name is Zeno. And he's like, wake up. So he raises the kid in the dead and says, did I do this to you? Did I kill you? And the kid's like, no. And she's like, see, I told you. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that it's so good, right? I mean, so you think about it's It's really great. And that's what I like about Lamb and about the, um, the Infancy Gospel of Thomas and some of these others is that like, people are just sitting around and thinking like, okay, so if we have this idea that this person is God, but like lives here in a human body and is also a person. Um, the stories we have don't really start till he's a, an adult around 30. Uh, what would it have been like with him growing up? And it's like, you just get these amazing stories. Um, and they're, yeah, they're so funny. Right. So you get the bit about where his dad's a carpenter, which I don't really think Joseph was a carpenter. Oh, yeah, the wood. His, yeah. <laughs> you're right. And he cuts a piece of wood too short. And Jesus is like, I got, I got this. It. Stand back, right? Line those two ends up, and then he just grabs one end and just pulls it like and stretches the out with miracles. <laughs> I know. My kid likes Curious George, so we've been watching a lot of that. But yeah, it, it's like he just makes things happen, and and you're like, well, how 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 are you expanding this wood, Jesus? And Jesus is like, don't worry about it. Just, I got it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I love that part. I forgot about the the wood <laughs> so um what, what what who's a kid in in uh acts 
when Paul's preaching. Paul Paul is just just gotten out of jail and he's preaching and oh, that's right, and he falls out Eutychus, of the window. Eutychus. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Paul is Paul is on the tear and he, he preaches all night long. And this poor kid is sitting <laughs> in the windowsill, and Paul is going on so long that the kid falls asleep, falls out the window, and dies. We've all been there, right? When the preacher just won't stop. Like it's twelve oh five, the Methodists are gonna beat us to lunch. We gotta get to Lizard's Thicket. The Presbyterians are gonna beat us. I, I used to say that at our previous church. Like we gotta beat the Presbyterians. We gotta go. Um, we get out at eleven thirty now, so you're not gonna beat us. We get, gee, our church starts at ten o'clock, like for service, and we get out like ten forty five, eleven o'clock. So. You know, we're rolling in into brunch. Yeah, we're rolling into brunch, and people are like, "Hey, we're off to church," and we're like, "Hey, we're off to uh, Bloody Marys." Yep. Um, Those are the same thing. Sanctus says, "Yeah, right." So, yeah, poor Eutychus. Poor Eutychus. Maybe this is what we should do. I don't know, <clears throat> um, but I, I think there are a lot of these stories that you and I know because we've read these texts that are completely foreign. To people, it's it would be fun to just kind of go through some of those. The infancy gospels are just a lot of fun. I mean, the other gospels are fun too, right? So where you get the talking cross that like stretches all the way up to the sky, and it's like, hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the the cross that's as tall as, or you know, homoerotic right. Jesus when he dresses the young man in white linen, and they uh, right and spend the, the night um, together, <laughs> as it were, in in secret Mark. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I actually did a lot on Secret Mark because the Kerberkrations are mentioned in the letter that's supposedly from Clement to Theodore oh. about it. Um, and um, yeah, we're not going to get into all that. But yeah, so you get to like you know, bring him to me. So he goes to Jesus at night and just wearing a linen cloth, and which was... then he learns from Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, and, but then so you have that. But then you also have the you know Jesus kissing Mary on the lips. Or whatever that part of the you know yeah, it text is conveniently blotted out. Yeah, <laughs> kiss her. Used to kiss her on the. Uh, what I need to know. For it. Yeah. 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 It's it's a you know the the tweet went too long. How can someone like so, Luke more than Mark? I'm still trying. I mean, yeah, John the Baptist is good. That the the passion scene is there. But Luke is like milk toast. That's to what I'm other. trying to. That's what I kind of think too, honestly. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, why would? What do you? What? What's good about Luke? He has Acts. <laughs> okay, that's the question. What's good about? And Luke? even Acts falls apart, you know. And it's not the Acts of oh, the yeah, Apostles. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 you know Peter for a couple of chapters, and then and then it's Paul. Paul. Right, right. It's it's the Acts of Peter and Paul. Yeah, right. And, 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 if, and clearly, if, if we'd gotten the unreleased version, we would have had Mary in there too. Right. Um. So Mary Magdalene, and clearly it's it's in reaction to all the other acts that were floating around, right? And it's like because he opens it up and he's basically, I mean, in, in not so many words, he's like, a bunch of people have tried this before and they're pretty horrible, so I'm gonna do this right. Yeah. Um. Okay. So he presents himself as a historian. He he understands himself to be a historian. Okay. So that's what you get with Luke. That's interesting. Um. You get a genealogy. That goes back to Adam as opposed to the genealogy of Matthew that goes back to Abraham. So you get maybe a more universal perspective there. Yeah. You do have, I will say, you do have better beatitudes in Luke than in Matthew. Oh, yeah. Right? Luke says, blessed are the poor. Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Right? Um, 
so in that regard, Luke probably has the earlier version uh, from Q. Well, and Matthew, Matthew's making concessions for his, you know, his congregation. Right. Or her congregation, you know, their congregation. So what else is good about Luke? I mean, you do get you, you get the kind of classic infancy Christmas narrative in Luke. Yeah. Magi. No. Yeah. Magi yeah. and Luke? Yeah. Not Mark. Not Matthew. Not Mark. <laughs> not, not, not Mark. <laughs> not Mark. The problem is they've been conflated in the Christmas plays for so long, it's hard to yeah. it's hard to keep nope. them separate. Um but Matthew too. What else does Luke have? Uh, Jesus goes to the temple as a boy. Oh, you do get that. that and his family fun. loses him. He's <laughs> behind for like three days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Where's that kid who's like making clay pigeons? Oh. Yeah. Little asshole. The, the kid that's supposed to be God? Anybody seen him? Um. Yeah, we, we want to hear this. Luke is, Luke is pro-Pharisee. Wow, that's a statement. Really? You think? Oh, certainly. Yeah, certainly. Like in Acts, especially. Mm. It's the Pharisees that side with, um, you know, Paul and them. Uh, it's <laughs> Gamaliel and them that, that side with them. And and all the all the kind of negative groups, it's the Sadducees and the Herodians, right? It's not the Pharisees. Well, the Sadducees so are in power, a... at, you know, at the time. Yeah. Historically, I mean, not after the temple falls, of course, when Luke was put together. Right. So you don't really want to piss off the Pharisees because the Pharisees were the one that were, you know, like those yeah. the people you were standing shoulder to shoulder with in the in the uh, in the synagogue. Yeah, but you say the same thing about Matthew, right? Yeah, but I think the, the time period perspective. Yeah, and you've got the synagogue across the street that yeah, um, Mr. Sindal talks about. But um, I mean, Luke is Luke is. He's writing a history to appease, right? That's what he's doing, much like Josephus does. So do you think Theophilus was a real person? No. You think it was just a, a convention? Yeah. No, come on. I want it to it's be the just... one who loves God. Come on. I don't know, but that's, that's, like one a, of... <laughs> that's, you know, let him who has ears to hear. <laughs> that's what that is. Trumpophilus. Yeah. I, I just wanted, I wanted Theophilus. I always think of him like this, you know, this, uh... Trying to think of an actor, kind of an old white guy, little overweight, kind of a scratchy beard, maybe wearing a crown, kind of some robes, eats grapes off the vine type thing, you know, like he's got people fanning him, but 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 he's not all bad, yeah, you know, he's he's a patron of the arts, he's out there in the community, he's trying to help things out, but yeah, but you know he's got means, so he he likes to imbibe and he's he's portly, kind of a Winston Churchill in first century Judea. Okay. You smell what I'm stepping in? Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah, and, and Luke is, you know, he's, he's trying to put this stuff together because this Theophilus guy is like, look, you know, I, I like Jesus. I used to be Jewish, but I, I, I could go along with this. So give me give me a real story because these other uh, acts, things that are floating around here with acts of Bartholomew and Andrew, like, eh, there's some there's some achiness here. And this whole Mark thing, like, what what is that about? So so Luke says, all right, I'm, I'm going to go down to... Um, to Palestine and, and write this out for you because I know we're up here in Damascus or Central Turkey 
But still, like, what what leads you to say Luke's the best gospel? Yeah. There's still nothing there, right? There's, I guess that's the thing. There's nothing, like, that jumps out to you that's actually especially interesting. It's like saying Ringo was the best Beatle. <laughs> you know, like, even, even after they broke up, I mean, Ringo had those two good albums, right? Where, where John yeah. and Paul kind of struggled. I mean, George had all, all things from his past. And maybe, maybe saying, like, George is the best Beatle. Like, I like George. He had some good songs. Revolver, he had three excellent songs. But, you know, there's some there's some sketchy stuff. And then, you know, his... his yeah, he had All Things Must Pass, but then, it, it, you know, the other, the other stuff didn't hold up to Lennon McCartney. Right? So you can argue between oh, John yeah. and, and Mark, I, I guess. Just like right. John and Paul. I, I would say Paul is the John of the New Testament, and John is the Mark of the New Testament. So I put a poll out on Twitter to see which gospel was the best, so we'll see what, uh, we'll see what people say. <clears throat> um, some, some good voting so far. Um, which gospel? So, did you say the best, or? Which gospel's the best, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to rank these, right? Just like, just like that piece from the other day that was like, all right, let's rank the world's religions. It's just got to be done. Oh, man. Matthew's got a zero. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. But if you notice, my poll does not have... You don't have a look on there. <laughs> Should have put the infancy gospel of Thomas. So go uh, go to Twitter and, um, and vote in my poll so we can have a uh, finally a definitive ranking of the gospels. This is important stuff. It is. It is. You know, and, and BuzzFeed will call us, or maybe uh, Babylon B. Yeah, maybe Babylon B will call us. <laughs> we didn't get to anything I wanted to talk about tonight. No, it's probably better because the rest, all like the show was going to go in a very depressing direction, probably. So this is uh, this is probably good. Yeah, our show we... notes are all like <laughs> completely, completely different. Uh, our, our Authoritarian regime, sex, marriage, immigration reform. Yeah, we we probably shouldn't. Yeah. Democrats with a religion problem. Democrats losing this week, which I think is terrible. Almost bought a new iPad. Decided not to because my. You're still melting down over it. We're not going to talk about it on the show, but you're still kind of melting. I think you're coming back. You're over the week. I've seen you come back from the edge a little bit, but from the iPad. Um, no, from the from the uh, from Georgia six and Ugh. South Carolina five. I, I'm yeah. done. I'm done. So, um, this yeah. So this is this is definitely better. Um, so yeah, uh, just remember, um, go to Twitter. I'm at Thomas Whitley. Sam's at Sam Harrelson. Go to my Twitter. You can find a really uh, fantastic. Just the you know we have the best polls here, so you can go vote in the poll. Tell us which gospel is the best. This is this will give us the uh, final definitive ranking of the gospels um actually it's really not going to right because we can't democratize something like this i already know which is the best gospel we've clearly already talked about that we've ranked it we're the experts here but nonetheless we can say people believe 